0: everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. A covenant is a blood bond of life and death. In our modern day vernacular, we might call a covenant a commitment on steroids. So a covenant is a blood bond of life and death. Our culture would say, It's a commitment on steroids. The word covenant is used throughout the Bible. All you have to do is thumb through the scriptures and you'll see this word, it's mentioned 286 times. A covenant, a covenant, a covenant. God was always making covenants with his people. I wanna draw your attention to one of the covenants that God made to a guy named Abram. God made this covenant with Abram and they got together. It's a very interesting situation how it plays out. Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I'll show you. Abram was a squillionaire. Don't think about a mom and a dad and 2.3 kids and maybe a dog and a cat just moving from one area to another. Abram, who lived in Ur of the Chaldees, was commissioned by God to move to this new tract of land, this ultimate piece of real estate, Canaan. Think Bill Gates, think a Fortune 500 company moving from one area to another area, that's the picture. Let's continue reading verse two. God says, I'll make you into a great nation, I'll bless you, I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What does this word blessing mean? Blessing means to be on the receiving end of the supernatural favor of God. Genesis chapter 15, verse eight, Abram asks a question that we would all ask. Here God is telling him to move, he's on the move, and he, he goes, look at verse eight, Genesis 15. O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? I mean, God, how, how, how can I know for sure? Well, what does God do? God responds to Abram with a covenant. Look at verse 18, Genesis chapter 15. On that day, the Lord made a covenant. What's a covenant? A blood bond of life and death. The root word covenant comes from this phrase, to cut. On that day, God made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land. So Abram brought a heifer, a goat, and a ram, and it's going to be kind of gross. He took the animals and split them in two, arranged the bloody halves opposite each other. God walked through the bloody pieces of the animals, taking the initiative in the covenant. God said, Abraham, I'm going to pour out my supernatural favor on your life. I'm going to bless you, I love you unconditionally, I'm gonna make your name great, and you're gonna be just a huge difference maker. I'm gonna keep, God said, my end of the deal. I'm in covenant with you. And then Abraham went into covenant with God. God cut a covenant with Abraham. He was the initiator. Now, did you notice what I did? First, I called him Abram. And if you were paying attention, you said, wait a minute, you first were calling him Abram, and now Ed, you're calling him Abraham. Say Abraham with me. Abraham. Before the covenant, his name was Abram. After the covenant, Abraham. What happened? Well, if you know anything about the Hebrew language, the word, the phrase ha, Abraham, symbolizes the breath of God. Thus, after Abram had this covenant going on with God, he had the breath of God on his life. Be careful how you pronounce that because you might spit on your neighbor's back. But Abraham, the touch of God was on his life. He was in covenant with God. A covenant means a blood bond of life and death. It means to cut. Now fast forward, if you would, over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses three and four. We're gonna talk about another covenant. Jonathan, the Bible says, verse three, 1 Samuel 18, made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing, gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Well, that's interesting. Back in this day, covenants occurred often. David and Jonathan exchanged robes. That illustrated the fact that they were becoming one. They also exchanged belts. That illustrated the fact that they were helping one another with their weaknesses. They exchanged weapons. That paralleled the fact that they were going to fight each other's enemies. Then they took an animal, you guessed it, cut the animal down the middle, arranged the parts of the animal opposite one another. They got back to back and they walked through the bloody halves of the animal in a figure eight, illustrating the eternal nature of the covenant and also saying to God, God, if we break this covenant, you do to us what we did to these animals. It was called the walk of death. Put that in your frontal lobe. This is the walk of death. Then after they did the walk of death, They took one another's names. And then on top of that, they made a public pronouncement. Hey, we're in covenant together, a blood bond of life and death. Covenant means to cut. Then they had a covenant meal. A covenant, don't miss it. A blood bond of life and death. We live in a contract crazy culture, don't we? You have to to sign a contract to do anything. If you want a cell phone, sign a contract. If you want DirecTV, sign a contract. If you want to lease a car, sign a contract. If you want to get married, sign a contract. How good are contracts? How good are they? Contracts are unique because basically they say, if you keep your end of the deal, I'll keep mine. The moment though, I don't feel like you're doing what you need to do I'm out. I'll rip the contract up. What good is a piece of paper, we say? We live in a contract-crazy culture. Affidavits and stipulations and fine print and prenuptial agreements. If you keep going on down the food chain, you find a bunch of lawyers. I love lawyers, but the reason we have lawyers is because we don't keep our word. We have a hard time with that. We see everything as a contract. What is a contract? Let me read you the definition. There's three of them. Number one, an agreement between two or more parties, especially one that's written and enforceable by law. Number two, the writing or document containing such an agreement. Number three, marriage as a formal agreement. How good was their marital contract on the short film? The recent stats are out. 67% of all marriages end up as relational wreckage. What if your cell phone did not work 67% of the time? What if your TV didn't work 67% of the time? What if your car didn't start 67% of the time? We, we go into marriage planning for failure. We go into marriage planning for divorce. I think it's great that we've finally understood that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And it's great that we can speak those love languages and know about his needs and her needs and watch episodes of Dr. Phil and Oprah. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out it's not working. This contract mentality is not doing the deal. You keep your end, I'll keep my end, and if I feel good about it, then I'll stay in the deal, but the moment you do something that I don't like or I feel this way or that way, I'm out. I'm bailing, I'll throw in the towel. We live in a contract-crazy culture. Is marriage really about a contract? No. Marriage is about something else. Marriage is about something deeper, more profound. And it's been my prayer over the last several days that that when all of us exit from this worship center, we would understand the foundation of marriage. We would understand what marriage is built upon. We would understand that marriage is not about a contract. It's about a covenant. Because once we grasp the richness of the covenant, then that will give us the energy and the octane and the power to be the kind of husband or the kind of wife that God wants us to become. So, keep the covenant. Keep the covenant. A contract is all about loopholes. A covenant is all about loyalty. A contract, we're always looking for a way out. A covenant, we're looking for a way through. A contract is about feelings. A covenant is about faith. A contract is selfish. A covenant is selfless. Just for a second, let's use our imaginations. Now, for the men here, it'll be tough because I want us to picture a wedding ceremony, just for a second, a wedding ceremony. Guys, a wedding ceremony. Think back, way back, 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 to when you got married. For me, it was almost 24 years ago in Columbia, South Carolina. Think about that, that whole wedding deal. I've had the opportunity to officiate hundreds of weddings. One day, I'm going to write another book, and I'm going to write this book on crazy wedding stories. I've got some of the craziest wedding stories you've ever heard about. Anyway. When most of us go to a wedding, what do we do? What are we thinking? We're sitting there watching everything, and here's what we're thinking, we're going, man, she's gained about 15 pounds, hasn't she? Can you believe she tried to get into that dress? I wonder how much this thing cost. I wonder where they're going on their honeymoon. Have you heard about a ring? Oh, I would never, oh girl, I would never use those colors. Those are hideous. I mean, (laughs) that's what we're saying. That's what we're thinking about during a wedding. But let's think deeper. A wedding is not just a ceremony. A wedding is a covenant. It's a ceremony that symbolizes a covenant. It's also a ceremony that's all about a covenant. Because when a man and woman become husband and wife before God and some friends, they are cutting a covenant. It's a blood bond of life and death. Some are going, whoa, dude, you mean mean I did that when I... When I got married, I didn't, I didn't realize I was doing that. But you did it. I did it. We made a covenant, a blood bond of life and death. So again, you got the picture of the chapel, the sanctuary where your wedding took place. Why do we have an aisle usually in a wedding? Have you ever thought about that? Why does the bride walk down the aisle? That's the walk of death. That's what it symbolizes. (laughs) You ever seen a wedding runner? Those things are cool. Why do we have those? They symbolize, well I'll tell you what they symbolize. You remember when, when Moses was in the very presence of God? God said, Moses, take off your shoes, take off your tevas, you're standing on holy ground. That's what the wedding runner illustrates. This is a covenant, a blood bond of life and death. The man and woman, the bride and groom, are standing on holy ground. Why do the parents have a prominent position in the wedding ceremony, this covenant ceremony? Because they pay for the deal? No. They have a prominent place because they're giving their blessing to this covenant. They're saying, We're not gonna manipulate, we're not gonna coerce, we're not gonna stick our nose in this marriage. The cord has been cut, this is a new home, but we're agreeing together with this commitment on steroids. Why does the father of the bride walk the bride down the aisle during this walk of death? That's a a pretty good question. We'll go back to the book of Genesis. God walked down the aisle literally and gave Adam his bride, Eve. The hands are joined together in a covenant ceremony. That shows that you've got oneness going on. Two, becoming one. The pastor represents God because in a covenant, it's a three-way deal. It's a man, a woman, and God. You know, the groom usually walks into the chapel first. He kind of just walks in and just stands there, you know. Why does he do that? We'll go back to what I talked about earlier. Who initiated the covenant with Abram, who later became Abraham? God did. God initiated the covenant. He did the walk through the bloody parts of the animal. He stepped up and stepped out. And the man is the one who popped the question. The man was the one who romanced and finally said, will you marry me? The man stands and waits for his bride. What happens when there's, an argument, a fight, a disagreement. It's the man's responsibility to take the initiative and reconcile the relationship because he took the initiative in this covenant process. You've got the vows. They repeat the vows one to another, back and forth. You know, sometimes during weddings there's laughter and tears, and that's, and that's cool. but. The vows should reflect Scripture. The bow, vows should reflect, the vows should reflect our, our covenant God. They should reflect His character, His nature. They shouldn't be stupid or silly. Sometimes I've done weddings, people have gone, well, hey, man, do you mind if we write our own vows? I don't mind it, I say, but it better reflect Scripture and the nature and character of God. If it doesn't, I'm not going to do it. I think back to Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. Do you remember their vows? I promise to make you a milkshake every day. Let's all vomit together, shall we? (laughs) You see where it got them. The vows are important. And then as, as the vows are recited in this public venue, From there, you've got the rings. I love the exchanging of the rings, and this is my wedding ring. It's gold and has a little bit of silver. It's a circle, no beginning, no ending. It's made of pure stuff, the real deal, and my love for Lisa is pure. It's the real deal. When I take it off, am I still married? Yes. Some are going, well, I don't know. Yes. (laughs) It's an outward symbol of an inward commitment. It's the covenant symbol. How many husbands are are sitting next to your wives? Husbands, are you next to the wives? Okay. If you are, look at your wife's uh, ring finger on her left hand. Look at that diamond for a second. Diamonds are forever. Diamond girl, you sure do shine. Who did that song? Seals and Croft, I saw them in concert a long time ago. They're a little bit strange, but I enjoyed the concert. (laughs) A diamond has seven colors to it. Seven. Seven, I wonder why, I wonder why. Why does a diamond have seven colors? Well, if you go back, and think about the covenant, go way, way back to when God made a covenant with Noah. After the worldwide flood, God said, I'm never gonna do the worldwide flood thing again, and I'm gonna put a rainbow in the sky to mark this covenant. Take a wild stab at how many colors are in the rainbow. I hope you're connecting the dots now. You you see the power here. You see the covenant. You see the blood bond of life and death. Well, man, I, I, I was doing a lot when I did that, man. The walk of death and I, I came into the, into the chapel first and we joined hands and, and the vows and the rings. Well, maybe you had a unity candle in your wedding ceremony, which is a covenant before God. Maybe you did that. A unity candle, you normally have three candles, on this candelabra, and then one in the middle. The one in the middle is not lit, the two on either side are lit, and then the bride and groom take the lit candles, you know, light the one in the middle, and then (laughs) blow out their candle. And what are they saying here? They're saying, I surrender my stuff, my feelings, my desires, my needs, and we become one. And that's the beautiful thing of, of, of the covenant in the covenant, it's not like, well, I need this, or I need that, or man, what about this or that? In a covenant, we're thinking about the other party's needs. Unconditional love, commitment on steroids. One time, I did this wedding, and I'm going to put this in my book, and this wedding was full of bodybuilders. Everybody in the wedding party, men and women, bodybuilders, and I love bodybuilders, but these people were like huge. Do you know how many bodybuilders it takes to screw in a light bulb? Two, one to screw the bulb in, the other one to say, man, you look big, you look big, man. (laughs) So these bodybuilders were standing there. I mean, I was in their shadow, they were dwarfing me. And and, and, you know, so I went through the vows and the rings. The rings were like this big, they were unbelievable. (laughs) So then I said, they they were a little bit nervous and under my breath I said, okay, I said, okay, now I want you to go and light the unity candle. They were like, okay. So they turn. (laughs) And they grab their respective candles. For some reason, this candle in our church had, had malfunctioned and they could not get the candles out of the candelabra. So, the big hulking groom said, Honey, excuse me. And she kind of backed away. Here's what he did. I'll never forget this. He grabbed both candles. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> He bent those things to light the middle one. Whoa. You're talking about becoming one flesh. Only bodybuilders. But those bodybuilders taught me a lesson that day in that bodybuilding wedding. (laughs) To have a great marriage, it takes a lot of strength, doesn't it? A lot of work, a lot of bending, a lot of coercing. It takes that. That's the MWE, the marital work ethic. Marriage is not the easiest thing. It's the hardest thing. But it's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing. The unity candle. That's some powerful stuff. And then, of course, you do the pronouncement thing, and the kiss, and, and then names are exchanged, aren't They have different names. It's a covenant. And then, as the bride and groom leave, they do again the walk of death. Up the aisle now to a new life, and prayerfully a life of covenant, not contract. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, when you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest in the temple of Messenger, that means do not protest to the pastor. My vow was a mistake, pastor. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Some people right now, I know, in the crowd this size, you're sleeping in the wrong bed. Others here are walking on the edge and the ledge of compromise. You're on that ledge of lust. One false move. One change in the direction of the wind and you're over the edge. Maybe you have your eye on someone at work around the neighborhood at the health club and you're cultivating that relationship and the, and the next move is to jump in the wrong bed. Maybe you were saying when you saw that film, Ed, that's me, man. Maybe no one knows but the other party. God knows. Or maybe just maybe you have just come clean and. You're just trying to process this. You think because you've slept in the wrong bed, it's over. You're saying, is there help for me? Is there hope for me? Can I reconcile? Is redemption possible for me? Or maybe you're saying, there's no way I could ever end up in the wrong bed. Not me. Not the feelings I have for my spouse. No, 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 not me. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're involved in. It doesn't matter how deep you are in the weeds. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen off the edge and the ledge of lust. It doesn't matter how many wrong beds you've slept in. The good news is this, God wants to move you from the contract to the covenant. He wants to move you from the wrong bed into the right bed He wants to move you from the ledge to making wise choices and decisions about covenant marriage. And over the next several weeks, that is what we're going to talk about. How do I move to real redemption and reconciliation? How do I move to a true purpose-driven relationship with my spouse? How do I do that? Jesus has romanced you and me. He's dated us. He's popped the question, will you marry me? He's done the covenant work. He spilled his blood on that rugged cross for your sins and mine. In Mark chapter 14, he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Once I get into covenant with Jesus Christ by simply saying, Jesus, I turn from my junk and my sin and turn to you. Once I respond by saying, I do, what happens? I'm adopted into the family of God. I'm connected with Christ. I have a new name. My name is Ed Young, but because I'm a Christ follower, it's really Ed Young Christian. And if you said, I do, to Jesus, the same is true in your life. We serve a covenant God who is all about covenant relationships. So as we leave this place, I challenge you to think about the implications of the the covenant. Marriage is a decision followed by a process. When we say, I do, we don't realize the implications of I do until later on. I've been married for almost 24 years and I'm still realizing the implications of that decision. And the same is true about Jesus Christ. We say, I do, to Jesus Christ. It's a decision followed by a process and we realize as we grow closer to him the implications of that decision. 80%, 80% of marriages will deal with adultery if we believe the numbers, 80%. Covenant is a blood bond of life and death. It's a commitment on steroids. Let's live out those implications in all that we're about. Father, thank you for this message. I pray that no one during this time would move or stir because you're doing business in our hearts and lives. Father, so many here have been looking at marriage as a feeling. We've been looking at marriage as a contract. We've been looking for loopholes, trying to find a way out. We've been doing this whole selfishness thing, but today, Father, you've shown us it's all about loyalty. It's all about faith. It's all about a way through. It's all about selflessness. God, I thank you for your blood bond of life and death. I thank you for commissioning your son, Jesus Christ, to die a sacrificial death and rise again. I thank you that it's because of the blood of Jesus that we can be free, that we can be cleansed, that we can get into covenant with you. I thank you for initiating this ultimate covenant, and I pray that all of us would make that important step to say, Jesus Christ, I receive you. I wanna come into covenant with you because it's unconditional, but we've gotta make the choice. We've gotta say, I do, because he's romanced us and dated us, others here. Father, we've made this decision, but we're walking on the ledge and the edge of compromise we're thinking about sleeping in the wrong bed. Maybe some of us are in the wrong bed. Maybe some of us have gone through a marriage or two. Today, we can start afresh and anew as we understand the implications of covenant, this blood bond of life and death. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.